Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Minutes with Mew presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to have you on board. Uh, I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. To sign up, just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. Okay, as we talked about Minister Mute, lucky enough, once again, joined by Scott Mutrin. You know him, Learfield IMG Radio Network for Boston College, uh, an analyst. And uh, he was at, in Chestnut Hill for the game in Charlottesville. But Scott, uh, BC Falls 43-32, to uh, record of 6-5. and five. Just your general thoughts uh, after the game. I think uh, if you saw, listen to Jeff Halfley's comments after the game, I think they kind of had hit the wall. I think, uh, you know, kudos to them for, you know, getting through the season, getting 11 games in, which I'm sure nobody expected. But you could tell, I think it took an emotional and physical toll on them. They were kind of, there wasn't a lot left in the tank. Uh, Virginia was just, BC didn't have any answer for them defensively and uh, their inability to stop them. And then, you know, they have a couple turnovers, and those turnovers end up in the in the end zone, and, and that really hurt them. They had to play from behind, pretty much abandon the running game. And Dennis Grossell, you know, played admirably. Uh, probably would like to have a couple throws back, but, you know, when you tie the school record for passing yardage in the game, it's it's really tough to, to look too down upon that effort. But <laughs> I felt that they, you know, they kind of they laid they laid it out there. They they played hard. It's just that I just didn't think that they just had enough left to kind of overcome all you know the turnovers and uh, and the inability to get some stops on Virginia's unique offense, which is very tough to defend. They don't play very conventional football, and it's tough to defend the way they play. And a lot of their keys and stuff that they do can throw you off. So uh, I think that was the you know kind of the the, the story of the game. So you, as a former QB, I mean, going back to Grossell, I'd like to get your thought on him. 32-46, you mentioned 520 yards, four TDs, three picks. I have a feeling this might get lost, though, because the team lost. Just how, how do you feel of Grossell's playing, and do you think there's a you know a QB battle as we head into next year, or do you think Grossell might want to just transfer? I could see if he wants to transfer out of here. And, you know, you throw for 520 yards, you want to start, I would think. Yeah. You know, you never, there's definitely not a QB uh, issue. I think they, they both know, um, you know, that Phil's the guy. If healthy, he's going to play. Uh, that's just the way it is. And Dennis would probably tell you that he could have thrown for six because he missed uh, he missed some throws out yes. there. And, uh, and, uh, and I think you saw that a couple of times. So there are times where you saw Dennis miss some stuff that Phil wouldn't have missed. And... Um, and and I, I you know big fan of Dennis, known of of him and about him for a very long time since his high school days, because uh, we went to the same high school and uh, he put my nephew was on the team with him, so I've known a lot about him and I'm really happy for him. He's a great kid, um, and he you know he he deserves the he deserves the kudos for this game, uh, and he deserves if he wants to play somewhere he should be afforded that opportunity. I'm sure people will. 
uh, I'm sure people will want to come after him because of that. You know, the, you know, you see that people need a guy to come in and play. He could get a chance. The question is, what's best for him? And I'm, I'm sure right now he's just kind of thinking about the rest of the season and let the rest of that stuff figure itself out after the season's over. If you were him, Scott, what do you think you would do? Would you try to stay at BC or would you want to go play somewhere? I mean, I'm I would be a guy that wants to play. I always wanted to play. Uh, so if you get a, if you get a chance to go start somewhere and play, you're gonna you're definitely gonna want to go do that. I just think it makes makes sense. You only, you have a limited amount of opportunity to play the, the game of football, and <laughs> you got to take advantage of it any time that you can. So if you get a chance, and someone's gonna give you a chance to play, and you get a, that opportunity, I would think you would take that. Uh, that's just my opinion on that. I don't know if that's what he wants to do, but. Uh, as a competitor, you want to be the guy out there, and it's not like you're playing two QBs at once. It just doesn't work that way. They're not like wide receivers yeah. or linemen. So, if you you know you get a chance to play, you got to take it, take advantage of it and and find an opportunity where you can maybe get one more year to play because eventually they're going to take the pads away, and you're not going to have that opportunity to play any longer. So you might as well play while you can. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm. Based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum, CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Also, as you're speaking, I kind of thought about it too. Got to give credit to BC. Got 11 games in. And I think they only had one test last week at the tail end when someone was on Thanksgiving. Uh, but basically no positives the whole year, Scott. I know. Great, great testament to those guys. And that's testament to Jeff uh, Jeff Halfley and the staff and, and the, to the players, let's be honest. I mean, they, they sacrificed a lot. You didn't get to play in front of fans, home fans the entire season. You didn't get to see your family. You're, you're locked up. You had to sacrifice a lot of your college experience so that this can get done. Um, there's a lot that they that they gave up this year, and then the physical aspect plays into it. But I'm sure the mental part can wear on you too. Not having that, you know, you you like that crowd. You you miss your folks not being able to see you come play, and and I think that's the that was probably the toughest thing uh, for them. But they should obviously be lauded for their everything that they did a model for a lot of these programs as to the sacrifices and what you have to do to get these games in. Cause I mean, you're seeing it across college football every week, uh, games getting canceled left and right because of, you know, COVID issues that are happening and BC just didn't do that. And that, that deserves to be commended. And then just to kind of put a bow tie on this Virginia game on the defensive side, uh, I guess coach Halfley grew up as a defensive coach it must have been painful to watch that game on Saturday. What do you think his thoughts were, and where does the BCD look to go to uh, as we head to next year? Because, to be honest with you, they didn't really have many injuries on the defensive side this year. It was just kind of they got exposed a little bit. Yeah, I think they they need to improve some team speed. Uh, they need to be able to generate, find some pass rushers that can disrupt the quarterback. They really lacked any consistent front four pass rush the entire season. And they just need to be a little, a little more athletic on that side of the ball. And I, I think you, you know, you've seen that there were just maybe years of just not having um, a recruitment focus on that area because uh, they just lack depth and they've lacked some athleticism there. And they got they, 
their effort was great. It's just that they just didn't have enough to beat some of these higher quality teams. But they did a good job of turning guys over and did, you know, the best that they could in that. It's just you just need to see some more athleticism, and I think you need to at least see a little more depth. And then, you know, it's interesting, too. In five years, Scott, we've gone from BC, the best defensive team in the program in the country, to now this, and the offense has changed. Now it's a really good offense. It's kind of interesting just how that's played out really from 2015 till now. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's the irony. And I think you look at that at twofold. You probably look at it as in 2015, uh, they just lacked quarterback play there. There was just no, there was no quarterback depth on the roster. And yep. they just didn't, they didn't have any legitimate passing game. And, you know, the, that staff um, focused heavily on that side of the football. And by the time that they got, um, you know, some aptitude on that side of the football, a lot of those defensive guys had moved on and they just didn't show um, the same, you know, balance. Uh, they, they'd lost some talent on that side of the ball and then it switched to the offensive side of the ball. And then that kind of passed the defense. And I think that's that's one of the tough things that you run run into at Boston College is the timing of it. And with you, have, I know it's 85 scholarships, but you don't have the walk on presence, the ability to maybe pick up some of those other uh, pieces along the way that if you miss on a kid or if you have a light class, um, it can affect you not just that year, but for years to come because it'll hurt your depth and and playmaking ability at certain positions. And I think that's that's really what you saw. They just didn't have that. And 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 that's the, the tough thing is you see those swings where, wow, if we would have had this year's offense with the 2015 defense, what a great team that would be. And you're like, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> but there's plenty of times where there's been great defenses here and, you know, OK to, you know, below average offenses. And there's times there's been great offenses that have had OK defenses um, or poor defenses. I think they, the best time we're all lined up is probably Matt Ryan's senior year where they had, you know, playmakers on both sides of the football and a great quarterback. And that was the year where you kind of caught lightning in a bottle. And it was evident, you know, getting the second in the country that year. Yeah, and that, that takes time. That was Tyrell Ryan's, I think, 10th year. With the program, well, it was actually Jeff Jagosinski's first that, year. That's right. That's uh, right. You're right. It was, it was the foundation that Tom O'Brien built, and but that was that he built and the talent that he brought in. Yeah, um, and Jeff Jagosinski kind of took him to that next level. No, you're right. But that 06 team was pretty good too, though. Um, yeah. So it, 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 they were, but they had, you know, I think it was it was one of those years where they had, you know, BJ Raji was out when then Greg Toll and then excuse me, Brian Toll was out you know, where they had, they were missing massive impact players on that side of the ball. Yes. Um, and that, I, I don't know if 07 was the Raji year or the toll year, but it would if they would have had. 07 was Raji. Yeah. Yeah. So you have those guys. Lost talking about massive difference where you have, you know, playmakers on both sides. Uh, so it's just the way it falls sometimes. It's just, uh, I think that's just how, uh, I think that's just how it ends up. You can't really do anything about it. And it's just that you got to play the hand you're dealt and make the most out of it. So that, that's what they're going to have to do. And hopefully next year they'll be able to get some uh, new recruits in and maybe get some with everyone moving around in three years being passed around. You're going to see a lot of grad transfers again. So hopefully BC can benefit from that and find some, some players in the transfer portal and get some opportunities to bring those guys into play. And the big, you know, the key thing is Scott too, as you mentioned too, Yes, BC played some tough losses, but you know Clemson's not going anywhere. 
you know, Notre Dame, uh, yeah, maybe they, they might be going somewhere, I guess. They might, they might be going back to independence. But what I'm trying to say is the conference is not exactly you're, – you're, you're in the ACC. You're going to have tough games. And yeah. uh, you got you got to put together Ws. Yeah, and that's you know that's the the fact of who what you what you're doing and who you're competing against. But yep. you're also competing against the rest of the ACC. So you still got to compete against Wake, Duke, North Carolina State, Virginia Tech, Miami, Florida State. Still quality programs. There's no reason that BC can't be in the mix with all those other guys. And if you're worrying about just the Notre Dames and Clemsons of the world, then you might be losing sight of all the other opportunities that you have to be a perennial top four team in the ACC. And they can do that. Yep. Uh, there's no reason to say that you look at the the backgrounds of a lot of those other schools. They align. They fit with BC and how the, their school is structured. There's no reason BC can't be there. Um, and with Jeff Halfley, you know, it's just going to be about recruiting and, and developing the talent once he gets it in. And I, I, what I mean, though, is I think what, it, what does it take to go from 7-5 and five to 10-2? and two? You know what I'm saying? And you got it. And to those points, yeah, you, well, you're going to have to beat a Clemson or a Notre Dame. Yeah, it's, well, it's players. And you're going to have to win every game that you're, you're, you're favored to win and then some of the toss-up games. Because you can win ten games a year if you you're not going to play Notre Dame again next year because that rotates around. Because you play Clemson every year, but there's no reason. I mean, if Clemson's only one game, right? So if you play twelve games, it's only Clemson's only one. You should still have the ability to compete in those other eleven games to you know to to make your mark. And I think they just need a little more you know a little more productivity and a little you know a little more athleticism on the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball to help them get to that level okay just the kind of last minute or so here uh your thoughts on the year for jeff halfley first year head coach uh you you pumped up what, what do you think as we round the corner head to year two with halfley yeah i think as a bc fan you're encouraged because you look at it as a um he's he came in and he put his mark on the program he he's a passionate guy he cares and loves the players he doesn't make any excuses um he's hard on them but he's very fair and he's very supportive of them uh, i think you can see that that they bought into him and that's not an easy thing to do when you have a coach that didn't recruit you uh and they they played they gave he gave them his all and they gave they gave him their all, and I think that's that's a big testament to that. They did they did everything that they could. They didn't quit. They didn't roll over. You watching all the games that they played in, there's not one point where you can look at a game and say, oh, my God, they absolutely laid down. Even in Virginia Tech, when they turn over five times, they're battling. But you take North Carolina, lost down to the last possession, right? You, you're still battling in the Notre Dame game where you're down 14 points. You got Clemson. You're winning in their place and in, going into the fourth quarter and still in the game. Um, you, you look at this, um, you know, you look at the Virginia game, they, they were down, they didn't quit. They kept battling. So that's something that you're proud of. That, that team is a, that sort of resilience and toughness is something that Jeff Halfley's instilled in them. And that's something where that may not have paid off this year, but that's something where it's going to pay off in the long run. Cause that, um, that effort shows from the kids that are out there playing to the kids that are behind them that are seeing this being done. And that builds a foundation of what type of effort it takes and what type of effort is necessary to compete at that level. And once you build that foundation, then it just becomes reoccurring that solid foundation where they see the effort, they see what it takes. They see the sacrifice, the love, the, the, you know, the effort that goes into it. And then that, that, 
perpetuates itself year in and year in and year in. And that's that's how it's going to happen. All right, Scott, how are you five, 10 years from now? How are you going to remember this 2020 season? Obviously, Corona oh, God, I'd love to it. forget it. I'd really love to forget <laughs> it. I mean, it was uh, I think but I think the whole year in, in and of itself. But I, I will remember it as, um, you know, the year they got a they got a really good quarterback that uh, had exceeded any expectations that I think other people had. I was excited when he came in. I was happy, uh, you know, to see him come in, and he did a great job. And I think he's only going to get better. Hopefully, you get him for two more years, and it's re- that changes the it changes the dynamic of the program, not just as a player, but as a leader, as a you know, toughness from what he played in through injury wise. Um, there's a lot of good things about that. Um, I, I don't want to focus on the negatives of not you know traveling, not being able to go to games. That everyone's in that same boat, right? Yep. yep. I think. Uh, the thing you want to focus most on is is what they got out of it and what you learned about Jeff Halfley and that team and and it's kind of is what I said is that he'll, he'll go to bat for them. He loved those guys. They loved them back and they they played that way and it's it's something to to remember. I think you remember the close calls versus Clemson and North Carolina and I think that you'll you know those are things that 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 will be a building block and I, and that's what you're hoping for. Yep, I agree. I think I'll remember too. Just they got eleven games in, really. Yeah, in this year, two, and two you know. positive tests. Maybe they'll do a case study someday about it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, Scott. What was the press box like uh, last Saturday? What was the food situation like to wrap up the year? Uh, we had some finger sandwiches, some shrimp, which was nice. Some shrimp cocktail. Wow, okay. Very nice little, and then assorted uh, assorted salt cured meats. Uh, which were very nice. It's a nice touch. It was uh, a very, very nice way to end the year. While poor uh, Josh, who was still in for meter and Chach, he was trying to get us up on the ra- on the radio and get everything working. Pete and I were making sure that the pregame spread was being properly devoured. So that was good. There you go. That's a, you know, some good <laughs> vibes heading into 2021. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Scott. As always, man, appreciate this year and everything, and uh, always appreciate your insight. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.